Hey, Gwen. Hey. Hey, I'm about to go to Gamescom. I got a sinus infection the day before. I'm about to take a six and a half hour flight. Oh, those are really fun for flights as well. Because as I understand, sinuses, like love, changes in pressure. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're all about, man. Yeah, it's one yeah. of the big things. I went to the doctor and they're like, could you not? And I was like, no, I'm going. <laughs> Load me up. Dope me up with whatever you got. Yeah, I'm getting could, on that could, plane. do I need sinuses? Are these important? <laughs> it'll be good. I mean, maybe it'll give me like a weird voice and that'll be good for, you know, like. Like, the whole reason I'm going is to hopefully get some interviews with the press. And I've got, like, a handful of things lined up. Uh, and my my plan is to uh, basically give them a controller and let them ask me a bunch of questions and stuff. I've got a handful of things lined up. I can't really talk about it. But, like, one of them is the... Well, we did that one time at PAX where I'm, like, on a, on a couch yeah. demoing the game on a stage. Nice. One, like, some of them are just nobody famous like I, I can't seem to get IGN or anyone like that but I like some of the smaller press outlets I'll just talk like give them a hands on with the game and stuff nice are these your like have you done many interviews for kind yet I feel like that's not been a thing no and I that's why I said before this like maybe we should do a mock interview yeah I mean it was my job so I'm prep I'm ready <laughs> Tag You're me ready. in. You're gonna okay. So we're just gonna like. So what? What, uh, what kind of mock interview? Do like? Do you want to pretend like I just sat down at, at like the stage at PAX? Like, what kind of questions would you ask? How should I do this? Yeah, that makes the most sense. So, Gwen Frey, you are showing me the game Kine, which, as I understand, you made by yourself. Is that correct? Uh, it started out as a solo project. Um, I was working on it nights and weekends and about just exactly a year ago, almost I, uh, I left my job and I started a company to work on it full time and I've been working on it full time for about a year. Um, and it's going to launch, I'm going to say the launch date, but I can't say it yet. Nice. <laughs> uh, and, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, the question was, did I do it alone? It is. No, uh, I, yeah, I, I spaced out the question no, for a second. Fine. I'm like very careful not to break NDA, like the day before I leave. But um, yeah, so I, I had started out solo. I Earlier this year, I got a, a deal with Epic Games. Um, I showed them the game and I told them what I wanted to do with it. I really wanted to up the art. And um, they basically bankrolled the project. So thanks to Epic, I, uh, I completely overhauled the environment art, the UI. I... Polished up the game considerably. I translated it into about nine different languages. And all this stuff, obviously, I didn't do. This was... So I'm not really a solo dev anymore, right? I, I had a team of four artists working for me on a contract for four months. Um, I hired a local QA company. And so I, I don't think it's fair to say that I'm a solo dev, but I'm, I was definitely the primary developer of Kine. Like, I did all the programming and the... Uh, with the exception of the ports and um, the design and so forth. Huh, Cool. Okay, so you mentioned that you were in a company uh, before you went solo. So just to take it back a little bit, what were you doing before you started working on Kine? Oh, so uh, do you want my like my history of my career or just where I was immediately? Yeah, just like a little, just a rundown of like, I guess, basically who you are and what led to this sure. point in a capsule form. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been in the industry for over a decade now. I started out working in MMOs out in California. So I, I worked in a game called Marvel, Marvel Heroes Online and Ooh. a couple of games that got canceled. Um, after that, I moved out to Boston. I worked on Bioshock Infinite and on the DLCs for Bioshock Infinite. Um, and then that was about, I think, maybe just over five years ago, Irrational closed. And I founded, I co-founded the Molasses Flood along with Forrest Dowling and several other people. So I, I co-founded an indie studio once before. Um, and we were six people total, and we shipped a game called The Flame and the Flood. I'm really proud of how that did. Uh, that's available on all platforms, the Switch, the Xbox, the PS4, and so forth. Um, and we launched that, geez, probably just over three years ago, um, in a, like in February, three-ish years ago. And uh, yeah, I, after that, I, I slowly started... <laughs> picking at this game in my nights and weekends and I kind of fell in love with it. And so I worked with the team and I, I exited the molasses flood and I founded jump squad to make this. Huh. So, so I want to get to like why this game and why now and everything, but where did the idea for this game come from? Like you said, you started slowly picking away at it, but where did this come from in your head? Um, I, I think a lot of, when you see people interview, a lot of times they seem like they had a clear vision right from the start. And the reality is, I don't think I did. I hmm. We had finished, we had wrapped up the Flame of the Flood. We didn't know what we wanted to do next. And we were all pitching different games at work. And I had pitched one thing, I think, that was sort of similar. Um, that was kind of like a grid-based game. Uh, I At home, I was working on a prototype for a different movement model because I was really sick of doing run cycles and I wanted to come up with something like a character that would kind of roll around and would push off of walls to move around. And I liked the character. And I really liked how the character moved. And I wanted to do something with it. And so I tried to invent a game around it. And um, because at the time, the easiest way to prototype this new movement system I was making, I'm an animator by trade, right? Mm. The easiest way to prototype the system was to put it on a grid. And so it was initially just this character that would like do somersaults and roll around on a grid. And it was initially a cube because that was the easiest way to, to visualize it. Mm. Um, and I just kind of, I was looking at it and I just fell in love with the cube and I just kind of kept playing with it. And I had this idea to make like maybe a 3D Tetris game out of it. Maybe you're this kind of cube creature that, that can extend in different ways and you have to roll through different size, like orient yourself and roll through different sized holes. And the first time I, I tried to make it, it was just a shit game. So I uh, uh, basically scrapped it and didn't work on it for like six months. And then somewhere in there, I played a game called Steven Sausage Roll. And I think that was when it kind of occurred to me what I should have done, which is to just make the make these really small tight puzzles rather than try to move around through this big environment with this unwieldy character. Um, and so I, I liked that game so much. I actually thought, well, there's going to be a bunch of games copying that. So I definitely shouldn't do that. And I went off and I just was working at work for like another six months before I finally sat down and said, you know what, maybe I'll make that game. <laughs> and I, and I tried and then, you know, and then one, one thing leads to another, like I intended for it to be a very small game, but I, I kept finding things I liked and I kept finding different mechanics I liked and I kept kind of, there was no reason, there was no pressure to ship anytime soon. So I just kind of kept picking at it. Um, and I, I'd say in the end, the thing that was the most fun was when I gave the characters faces and personalities and gave them the story and 
came up with the reasons for things. I think it was a lot easier to design puzzles once they, I felt like they had a purpose. Like these are two characters on a date, on a boat, you know, and what does that look like? And what does it look like when two characters are dancing? And how can I make characters, little cube creatures dance? Uh, using How can I force you to make them dance using a puzzle and that sort of thing? And I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, and so in the end, what I made was this. Nice. So there's a couple of threads to kind of pick out there. Like, first of all, you mentioned that you are a animator by trade and knowing game development and how that works is actually a ton more disciplines and jobs that goes into just making a video game. Like, do, do you have experience in programming and art and sound and all the other things that go into a game before going into this? Or did you have to learn that like now? I mean, I, I wasn't, I work as an animator. I work as a technical animator. So I got my start doing character rigging, which is, um, involves a lot of scripting. Uh, I, I guess I would say I'm, I've never been a programmer. I don't use Visual Studio. I don't know C++ or anything like that. I do know Python because I had to for work, right? Um, and most of, the, none of this is like from, uh, like I've, I think I bought a book at one point, but for the most part, uh, I, it's all just kind of self-taught scripting language stuff. So I've, I've definitely been technical. I've definitely had to learn Lua and Python and different things. And I've had to, uh, set up state machines for different characters and that sort of thing. And that really does get you into the guts of an engine and get you understanding things. Um, and then I just kind of built on this knowledge of uh, scripting. Like it started out as owning the entirety of the animation pipeline. When I was at the molasses flood, I, I learned how to control an AI. I learned how to do all kinds of things with AI. Um, and I my interest kind of just spiraled out from that. Plus, when you're a tech artist, um, there's usually one or maybe two at a studio. So I often had to work in shaders. And so I've got a huge background in, in shader stuff, right? Like um, I know the material editor in Unreal really, really well. So you mentioned Unreal. I mean, what did you make this game with then? Like, because as you say, you've pretty much in terms of fingerprints on everything in this game, it's pretty much you. So what did you make this game with in the end? Uh, the Unreal Engine, basically. Um, I mean, I, there's some other software like Maya and Photoshop to get things into the Unreal Engine, but it's entirely Unreal. Um, the I, I guess the thing that would make it unique is that it's using entirely Blueprint, which is a scripting language. So there's no C++ code. I, <laughs> I wanted to see if I could make it for the entirety of development without ever installing Visual Studio. And in the end, I think I will have to install it. Oh, no. <laughs> specifically. So you can make a PC game entirely in Unreal, start to finish. But when you open up the task manager, it's going to show up as UE4 game. I can't name it kind. And the only way to rename it is to install Visual Studio. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and open the executable and change it, which is driving me nuts because it's such a stupid reason. Yeah. But that's going to be the reason I had to open Visual Studio. Other than that, um, yeah, it's just entirely Blueprint script. Wow, nice. Okay, so if we had no one note for Epic Games, it would probably be name file. <laughs> like that uh, would be. <laughs> you know, I think Epic's got a lot going on. I think they have more important things to do than worry about that. But um, yeah, that was the one thing that made me install Visual Studio. That will make, I haven't done it yet. Right now, if you open the game in the system chart, it just says UE4 game. I'm just dealing with it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, there's a couple of things I want to circle back to, but talking about Epic Games... Kine, I believe, is exclusive to the Epic Store. Uh, 
I mean, it sounds like a big reason for that might be, like you say, they came in, they helped with development, or was it funding? And then you've made it completely in their engine. But what made you go with uh, the Epic Store? Oh, I mean, it just came down to, um, how do I put it? I've always, I love Epic. I know they get a lot of shit, but as a developer, I've worked with the Unreal Engine for a decade. Um, they've always been super responsive. Uh, I, I love this engine. I love using it. I wasn't, I mean, I, I was a solo dev with almost no following on Steam for the most part. Like I have mm. basically no following on Steam. So uh, I, I pulled the game off of Steam as a test and like no one noticed for a month. Uh, and then I, uh, Epic, and that happened I, I did that right when Epic launched their store and people started getting shit because I knew I kind of wanted to be on that storefront. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I reached out to them. I was like, hey, uh, you know me. And they're like, we do know you. And we talked about it. And they, they, I pitched them. I basically showed them the demo for Kine and, and asked if they told them what I wanted to do and told them how much money I'd need and asked if they would fund it. And they were like, yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean... Uh, to me what epic is doing is great um they've been great to me i don't know what else to say i can't imagine uh, obviously there were other paths i did talk to a couple other publishers but those terms were nowhere near as good like not even in the same at like stratosphere good you know what mm. i mean so you mentioned like when you <laughs> i call like you go epic and you're like you know me and they're like yeah we know you like why would they know you i mean outside of like the You've had oh. quite a strong career path, but like, do you particularly love Epic to the point where they'd be aware of it? Like, what is that? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, um, so I speak at GDC each year. I often give talks where I show animation tips and tricks entirely in the Unreal Engine. Oh. Um, I, uh, I, it's hard to explain. Like, I've made several, a series of tutorials about how to do different things in the Unreal Engine and put them on YouTube. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm kind of involved in their community. Their marketing people know me. Nice. For, on the Unreal Engine side of things. The the game store team is growing and new, but back when I was talking to them, they didn't have a team. So it was just the marketing team. Mm. Uh, and so that was, it, it was kind of like, it, we have a close working relationship already or a working relationship already. I mean, that's great. That sounds like a really good, Almost a perfect partnership as you're going in there already a user and fan of everything they're doing. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I think I'm the one person who was in the Epic Game Store where I got basically no flack for it. Everyone was just kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, oh, no huh? one even questioned. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Epic lady. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't like, I, I, oh, God, I've... You have to understand, I've used this engine for 10 years. I don't even know what it would take <laughs> to switch to Unity or something. Like, I've, uh, yeah, I have friends that work at Epic that used to work with me to Rational. Sense. Like, I, I'm just, I'm in deep, man. So, I'll ask you this because someone might ask you this. Uh, with the Epic Store, as you've mentioned, there comes a lot of controversy. There, within the video game community, there's a lot of people that seem mad about the fact that there's exclusives on the Epic Store, that there's certain features that are not in the Epic Store. Um, was any of that... I mean, like, it sounds like you were getting in on 
when there wasn't even a ground floor. So maybe these these things weren't factors for you. But has any of that been a factor, or how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I think how do I put it? Epic is doing something very, very difficult. They're trying to move into a space that Steam owns, like just straight up owns and has owned for a long time. And um, I think uh, you you saw with Fortnite, Epic refused to put Fortnite on the Google Play Store, for instance. They've, they're pushing back hard against different storefronts and the, the large fees that go with launching on these storefronts. Um, and for good reason, like Valve... <laughs> Valve is not the poor company people are making them out to be online. They're incredibly wealthy. Like, I'd have to look it up again, but I believe their average salary is $300,000 a year. They they do, like, and then that's for, like, the, the rank-and-file workers. Like, they have their yearly retreats to Hawaii and so forth. I mean, this is a company that's doing very, very well. And I'm not saying they're... Um, I, it's arguable over whether or not they're earning that 30%. And I do love that Epic is pushing them on that. I, I think it's good to have competition in the space. Um, I do think, obviously, the the storefront is not as feature complete uh, as Steam, right? Like, the Epic Games Store simply isn't as feature complete. Mm. Um, I think they, they know that. They're clearly working on it really hard. I, I mean, there's things I can't say, but, like, I'm on several new storefronts, uh, and the Epic is incredibly responsive. I have a Slack channel with them where I, I just ask them what's going on. And and they they're building they're trying to build something while it's live, which is difficult. Mm. Um they're trying to do something incredibly difficult right now, right? Uh and so I don't know. I see every side of it. I can see why people are mad. I can definitely see why if you were how do I put it? So on the one hand I there's the developer in me, right? That's like, this is amazing for developers. Don't you understand that they're taking mm -hmm. away risk from loads of people? Obviously it makes sense for me, but I think it makes sense even for all these other developers that are taking this money. Most of them, I, you don't know what kind of state these people are in. You don't know if a epic deal like this could have saved any of the studios. Like, what if Telltale had this? This could have saved Telltale, right? If they could have gotten an exclusive like this and people would have been mad and people would have been like, how dare you, Telltale, go do that. But the reality is you don't realize how financially strapped a lot of these companies are. Um, and I, I think Epic moving into the space, injecting a large amount of capital into this space, which is increasing competition across the board. There's more money going to games than there has been in a long time. Epic's putting downward pressure on the, the price, on the uh, rev share that, that storefronts are taking. I think that's incredible. Epic in general is doing incredibly how do I put it, altruistic things with their money, things that, the supporting Blender, things that are amazing for open source communities and for development in general. Mm -hmm. Like they've, I, I'm just incredibly impressed and I just kind of want to be a part of it, to be honest. Like I, there've been, think about all the other studios that have had massive hits like this. Like look at Riot. Riot's in, Riot made their own storefront for their own games. Um, and they've spun up a lot of different games and tried to do a lot of different things, but they, they had a massive hit and they didn't do anything altruistic with that money. And I'm not slamming Riot at all. I'm just saying, like, it's disappointing to me in a way that Epic is trying so hard to do so much good and they're getting so much shit for it. You know what I mean? Uh, mm, yeah. Because they are getting a lot of shit for it. But so that's one side. 
that's one side. The other side is like, I'm a, I play video games and I play games like 4X, you know, games and strategy games and tactics games. And if I was in a country where uh, I was going to get the next Paradox game and Paradox announced that their games are all going to be Epic Games Store exclusive and I couldn't get that game anymore, I would be so sad, hmm. right? Like, so I definitely see that other side of it. Um, I definitely see how, uh, and I can definitely understand why a lot of developers would would not do this. Like there was a giant um, article I just read by the, what was it? There's a guy that made a game, a horror game that's kind of like Unfold or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'd have to look it up. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't, but go on. Oh, there, there was a horror game that came out recently and somebody got a bit of um, attention on Twitter because they were approached for an Epic exclusive and they turned it down. And the reason they turned it down was because they had just announced a week before that they were going to come to steam and they had announced the launch date. And I think that makes sense, right? Like mm. you want to do right by your customers. You want to make sure that you're doing, if coming out on the Epic game store is bad for your, for your customers or, or like will piss off your customers, then don't do it. Right. Like I, I think there there's legitimate grievances and everybody's doing what makes the most sense for them. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Should I, is that what I should I? I might need to come up with a shorter I, version. Yeah, I would. That that would be <laughs> like <laughs> like not. It wasn't like you weren't saying anything bad, but it was like there's there's like a quicker th there's a way to say that without going too deep into stuff because then you start getting into the because there are all sides to everything, right? So it's like there are, <laughs> you there could are be there all day. Well, I mean, I, but I, I hate, oh God, like I hate the culture of everything having to be a soundbite these days is True. the other side of it. Right. And so, but there, yeah. Like if you're giving an interview, I guess you, I should come up with something snappy. You're creating a soundbite. That's uh, yeah. but I, to be honest, it really will depend. Like the type of interview we're practicing for is the type of interview where you're sat with someone like me for half an hour to an hour. Like, so you would have that time to have that conversation. But yeah, if it's the standing at your booth and you've got like two minutes, it will be like a two sentence kind of answer will be useful for you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, what, moving things along from there. Unless there's anything else you want to add or you want to practice a quicker line or something. Uh, I, I'll just think about it, I guess. <laughs> To when, cope with something. <laughs> yeah, when you listen to this back, maybe I'll circle back to it and ask you again. Um, so another thread I wanted to pick up on was, so you mentioned, you know, you were in the molasses flood, you had this idea picking at the back of your head, but really, like, why this game and why right now? It sounds like there's a lot of things going into it that have kind of made it that way, like, with Epic, like with uh, the Molasses Flood coming off such a high and you being kind of at the point where it's like, what's next? But like, why Kine and why now, I guess? Well, when I first started it, it we weren't coming off of a high. We had launched the Flame of the Flood. It did initially didn't do very well at all. Um, we, were, we took a month off. We did some contracting. I was losing my mind. Uh, we had started pitching the next game and it was very difficult and we couldn't get funding for it. And um, like I had said, I had done, I had initially made some of the earlier prototypes to pitch for our next game, but my business partners didn't want to do that um, for good reason, right? Like we had just launched a game and, and we, <laughs> puzzle games, at the time especially, uh, puzzle games made no money. It was mm -hmm. just kind of like known. It was like a joke. 
Uh, it was the wor- one of the worst things you could do is make a puzzle game. Uh, you could go and like Ryan Clark or listen to to Ichiro or whatever uh, speaking, and they would always be like, "You got to make a game that the market wants. This is the apocalypse. Nobody wants your fucking puzzle game, right?" So pitching a puzzle game to a team that's struggling was like not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, like I, and at the time also just I I think I was just spending too much time on Twitter. I was really bummed out. I I, I was just kind of low, and I just wanted. Uh, to have fun again (laughs) i don't know how else to put it like i wanted to have fun again i I wanted to be happy like i was i wanted to simultaneously enjoy game development but also i just i feel like there's this giant conversation about games that make you cry and i just didn't want to make people cry like for once i'd like to make something cheerful and make people laugh and i know that's difficult and i know like the the big risk you run if you try to make something cheerful or or happy or upbeat is that it either looks like a kid's game or it's uh it comes across as like a mobile game or some kind of cheap thing that's they're like a clicker game you know what i mean Mm. um and i i didn't want to i didn't want to make a clicker game or a kid's game necessarily i just feel like we're allowed to still experience joy (laughs) later in life i don't know how to put it I just wanted to make something happy. Uh, and that was really the primary motivation more than anything else. There was that. I just watched a, a film called La La Land and I, uh-huh. like four times and I loved it. And basically, you can see it. Like you can straight up see it in the art style and the music and all of it. Because it, it's a jazz themed game and everything. I, I loved La La Land. I thought that was an amazing movie. And I wanted to make a game that felt like La La Land. Um, something that was full of hope and cheer and happiness. Uh, Rather than you know, political strife on Twitter and and you know we're at the time especially I felt like we were going through some uh, and uh, I don't want to go into it but like I just wanted to feel happy again you know. That makes a lot of sense and uh, it's a very good answer by the way. Particularly getting into the uh, all the stuff that was happening with you before and when you wanted to be that makes a lot of sense because uh, that's kind of what I wanted to draw out of that question. So that is good. Um, and that, I would imagine, would tie into what you want someone to get from this game. Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I don't know. I've never designed a game before. <laughs> like, huh. I, I hope people like it. I hope that it makes people laugh. I hope that it makes people smile. I think that's the greatest thing in life, is if you can make somebody laugh, you know? Um I don't know how you make somebody laugh with a puzzle game, but I do feel like there is... I mean, I enjoy puzzle games, but I do find they all tend to have one note, which is this kind of uh, slow... Uh, how do I put it? You, you generally have the slow, mysterious world vibe in every mm. single game, and I just feel like it would be nice to have something else. That's why I also think like a horror puzzle game is an interesting idea, don't get me wrong. But my where my headspace was was I just wanted to make something cheerful and happy and light. Um. Nice. I mean, there's there's now obviously an interview would also include a lot of things based off of what I'm playing, mm-hmm. so I can't nec- or like what I'm seeing, so I can't necessarily simulate that for you. Like there there'll be questions about. I mean, the art style is probably one of the most striking things you initially notice about the game. Like what led you to that specific yeah. art style. I've practiced that question. Hey, so here she goes. Been... 
No, well, because it, it's it's an easy one actually. Like, nice. um, so when I first started out, I was making this. Um, so when I when I first started out, uh, I was trying to make a grid-based puzzle game. I knew I wanted to actually experiment with having a, a puzzle game that used three dimensions, um, and I was having difficulty seeing where something was in the world in grid space because at the end of the day your monitor is flat right mm. um and i i needed a way to kind of perceive like is that is that uh box one unit back and one unit up or two units back because it's actually hard to tell from different camera angles and so what i needed to do is i i came up with this idea like i will make the whole game kind of look like a sketch I was really into Ian McKay drawings at the time, and I, I did that specifically because I wanted to have that kind of rough, sketchy feel where you can have a, a line overhang the edge. Because a lot of, if you're going to have a game where you're jumping from building to building, I need something to, uh, like, I need to, a way to draw a line from one building to another so that you could, and initially it was jumping around buildings in my head, uh, I needed a way to, to say that this building and this building are aligned, so I just having a sketchy style and you just draw one line over it. Mm. Um, and so it was actually, it wasn't so much an art decision as it was a design one. I wanted to be able to show where somebody was in 3D space um, by using these kind of sketchy lines. Hmm. Nice. That's good. That's a, that, that's a very good consolidated answer. Good work. Um, I probably would have wrapped up an interview like earlier, like before that question, just with the, what do you want people to get and all that stuff. There's a lot of stuff uh, that I would advise, which would be remember the main, I would say remember, always remember your important beats because you're not going to get lots of time. Also, not, lots of interviewers will just be like, so it's a puzzle game. What systems is it coming out on? What date? Cool. Bye. Like that, because you've only got so much time and you've spoken to 7,000 people. So trying to shoehorn in, I think a lot of what's important, this is, just me i guess giving notes now but like <laughs> i guess a lot of what's important is your story and your personality into what got this game there so i think you got a lot of good stuff in there so do you think see i actually think i should lean less on my backstory and more on the game because i'm worried i mean the I game the game will present itself they're going to be looking at the game the game is the thrust of what we're talking about. Like, so that will get covered and that will be the bulk of what you're doing and that will be the bulk of the questions. I mean, just making sure that you get that information in. I think particularly for an indie game that's made by such a tiny, tiny team and has a very specific story, I think personality and uh, story around those people is... Just as important, I think, at the selling point as the game itself, in my opinion. Okay. So I would, like, you don't have to go ham on it. Don't be like, yeah, cool. But anyway, let's talk about me. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but getting, making sure that comes across, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that stuff is, like, important to selling a game. Like, uh, we've talked forever for three years about mm -hmm. things and i've always mentioned like the thing about double fine is you love double fine even if you don't know what the next game is you're inclined to buy it i think that's an important part of a video game if it's made if it's made by people which they all are but if it's advertised in that way and you know it which all indie games ostensibly kind of are 
Yeah. What do you think about Double Fine getting bought by Microsoft? Like, I'm curious. I wish I could just glimpse two years in the future and see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it seems like a great thing to me. Like when I saw him come out at E3, he seemed to still like he didn't come out and was like, "Yes, hello, I'm now talking like a corporate person who is owned by Microsoft." It was still Tim Schafer. It was still funny humor and. I don't know. It just seemed like I was like, great. They have backing and money. It's like a part of me is sad that they're not that independent, like ship in the sea. Like, and I'm super, super happy for them. I think it's the best case scenario for them. It's just, I feel like what Microsoft is doing is buying up people that'll, they're trying to buy up studios in order to promote Game Pass. Like they want the next Double Find game in Game Pass. (laughs) I mean, obviously that's what they're doing. And I don't know if like, the goodwill I'm going to buy this game to support Tim Schafer will move into the goodwill I'm going to buy Game Pass to support Microsoft because uh, I like Tim Schafer. Yeah. I'm curious to see if that actually works. I'm curious to see if Microsoft leaves him the hell alone. Uh, I So, yeah, I'm a weird case on that one because I have Game Pass anyway, and I already did. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, it, it isn't affecting me anyway. So I guess... If anything, I'm going to not specifically give money to Double Fine. I think Rad, which is coming out like in a few days at the time of recording this, is their last one that's being published by someone else, Bandai Namco, interestingly enough. So that mm-hmm. might be the last Double Fine game I spend specific money on. But I mean, Microsoft are compensating them, I would imagine, quite greatly. And no, I, I think Double Fine did the right thing. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I see what you mean. I don't- but like how that goodwill and everything translates when you're a, when you're a, no, I think it really think, does. Like I think it's I don't know if you can buy goodwill. Like I just don't think it, people are gonna. I, I think Double Fine absolutely did the right thing, and because God, it sucks pitching the publishers. Mm. I'm just like, and I go back and forth on this. I I think I don't know what I would buy up if I was Microsoft. I've put a lot of thought into this actually. Were no I Microsoft, what would Were I do? I, well, yeah. I subscription services in general. Like, yes. what's the right thing? Do you want to have a series of games as a services in there? Maybe. I think that most people think you do, and I actually kind of disagree. I think the power of Game Pass is that you can play tiny little gems. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and completely. So I, I kind of, I, I, I kind of disagree with a lot of people around me in that way. I think it is smart to, to. I think if you're. <laughs> The reason I think about this is because I, I'm biased. I want to make like small little gems, right? Mm. Like I want to make short experiences, kick them out like every year or two, or three. I don't know yet. I don't want to make any promises. But like, if you're somebody that wants to make those little gems, being bought by Microsoft seems like a really good idea. I agree uh, for both of you, right? Yeah. Um, whereas if your games is a service, it's hard to say how many of those should be in Game Pass. I actually think Game Pass is stronger if it's a series of smaller games that you can't get anywhere else that won't exist anywhere else. Well, so my experience as a person that owns Game Pass, like you've got the big pillar Microsoft Studio things. That's kind of your initial like, look, you can have the new Forza and the new Halo and the new Gears of War. And it's like, well, cool, okay, that's presumably me as a consumer that's bought on Xbox. Those are things I want. But one of my favorite things about Game Pass is I just, I click on all games and Game Pass allows me this luxury to go through and just go, what's that? I don't know. 
I'll download it. And then I download yeah. it and I play it. Like I had experiences with games like uh, Outer Wilds is a great example. That did actually get like a fair amount of press press. But I wouldn't have bought that game and I wouldn't have played that game based on mm. what I saw about it. Even though it seems like it should be something I like. I, things I heard about it made me go, eh, not for me. But I still oh, downloaded yeah. it. I See, played it. And I th- I had enough of an experience with it that was really cool and really interesting that I was like, great. So that I did See, that with I, a bunch. I actually didn't think about that because like, in my head, I, I had the theory in my head that was like, soon we're going to experience this thing where all games are massive AAA, like the tentpole releases. And then you've got little gems. Mm. And I think, and I thought the middle was going to fall out, but the more I think about it, there is a lot of counter examples and outer wilds is one of them. Yeah. I think there's uh, a definitely middle. Yeah. Middle weight game. There's a huge space for those on game pass in my opinion. Cause I, I like, those are a lot of the ones I tend to download because there's a bunch of them in there. Like you just mm-hmm. go through and like I say, that that is something that I think the pass model and particularly currently Game Pass anyway, because you've got those tempo ones, but really like the bulk of the experience is these kind of mid to small games. And that's what I love about it. So, and games as services being in there, I don't know, because it's like, so, so I've been playing Apex Legends a lot recently. That I don't think that needs to be in a pass situation. It's a free-to-play game that's supported by loot boxes and all that stuff, and I just mm-hmm. play it. Like it's that works. Like <laughs> that works fine, and I'm having a great time with it. But having all this stuff, you have the I I don't know. I, I mean, I, again, I'm biased because I fucking love Xbox. But like having all mm-hmm. the thing where I can be like, I'm gonna get all the new Microsoft titles I want. But also, I get this curated experience of all of these games in here are probably going to be interesting in some way, and you've already paid for all of them, so you might as well now try them, which I wouldn't have done before, is great. Like, I've played a bunch of games I never would have played, thanks to Game Pass. So, that's my experience of it, and that works perfectly well. Yeah. I don't know what the future holds, man. But yeah, I, it's hard to say what the, what the right size is for a studio and that sort of thing. Yeah. We're definitely... Um, I, I will say I, I just adored uh, Dicey Dungeon, which oh, came I out recently. I still haven't played it, but everyone uh, loves it. I still haven't played adore- it. Dude, it's, a, it's an amazing tight little experience. It's fun, and, it, and like it's not going to be the game you play forever. It's not going to be the game that makes you cry. But mm. like, it's, it's a fun little game, and I, I've... Uh, the other thing, the reason I bring that up is because I, I played that and I was like, yes, this is the kind of thing that I think if there was more of these and they were all in Apple Arcade, Apple Arcade would do well. Because I see Game Pass as being like probably having a lot of big releases and maybe middle releases. And I see Apple Arcade as being like a lot of smaller games, perhaps. By the way, there's been some leaks about <coughs> Apple Arcade. I saw. Um, yeah. Yeah. They've... I mean, it was kind of already known they're gonna, they're going to be releasing in the fall. Um, the rumor mill says probably September because that's when they're dropping the new OS. Mm. Uh, nobody really knows for sure, and they're gonna when they launch, they're gonna launch a hundred fucking games. Christ, that's it's a lot of games all at once. And I will say, it takes a lot for me to uh, play a game on a mobile device. So even the Switch, I play that in the dock. But I know I'm very <laughs> like. Uh, you're like the only yeah. very singular in that like uh world so 
Yeah, you're alone there. Yeah. The, I was, oh God, I, I hate Apple devices with a passion. I just, everything from the fucking one button mouse to the phone oh. I can't operate. Like I hate all of them so much, but I, might, I don't own a tablet. And if Apple Arcade, I think will work on a tablet, maybe I should, it, maybe I should buy yeah, a tablet. It will do. It, 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 even though they're making, I, they're calling it iPad OS now, they'll make it work on that. Mm-hmm. For sure, but yeah, no, that will be interesting. The I, I guess I hold no excitement for Apple Arcade just because of my habit of where I play games. So I'm like, all right, cool, and I'm not paying any attention to it. Like the mobile game world has never been a big one for me. There's outliers of certain titles, like Reigns, for example, that I played a ton of, but not many so i don't know that one doesn't excite me as much but i know me alone is not the industry so <laughs> i am I, i've reached a point this is like very you know we're all our, our own personal experiences like mm. i've reached i've been crunching like a lot for over a year so like i mean it's calming down in fits and bursts now but like i need a reason to not be at my computer and one of the reasons i like the switch so much is that i fucking pick it up and i go to the couch yeah or like i'm in a different room i because historically i only ever game on a computer always always on steam usually i mean i play forks and strategy games mostly yeah um sometimes tactics games and so uh the yeah I'm for games like Baba's You and the Switch or anything I get on the mm. Switch so it gets me in a different fucking room so I'm not sitting at this computer where I, which is sometimes, there's moments towards the end of a project where it's just like you sit in your chair and you're sad for a minute. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't, man, it gets like, I don't know how to explain it. Usually I don't have to do the programming either. Mm. Uh, and so I'm alarmingly not confident in my ability to do this. And so there'll be a bug and I'm, I'll be like, do we have to fix this? What if we don't fix this? What if this just never gets fixed? What's the likelihood that somebody runs into this? Oh my God, I'm going to be working this game forever. Oh, it's done. Now what? There's no bugs anymore. What do I do with my life? Oh fuck, there's another bug. Oh God, I'll never fix this. And like, this is my, I'm just going through this fucking like maniac loop right now. Sounds fun. But yeah, being away from my computer, uh, probably good for, um, you know, sanity. Yeah, I so, think so. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to really like the Switch. I think I, a tablet with the Apple Arcade might be a good thing. I'm not going to lie. Those new iPads are pretty nice. They're expensive, but they are nice. Mm. So, hey, yeah, let's who see. Knows? Hopefully, maybe they'll announce at Gamescom when I'm there. Maybe they'll announce like what the, the launch lineup is, or at least some of the launch lineup, and then I'll make a snap decision if I should buy an iPad or not. Yeah, that'll be interesting, Gwen. So speaking of while you're away, you're going to Gamescom now, right? Yeah. Pretty much in in... like five hours, you're going to be on a plane or something, right? Yeah, four hours to get in the plane, yeah. Going to be fun? Yeah, yeah, plane with a sinus infection. Yeah, I forgot about the sinus infection. Oh, that's going to be fun for you. Especially if it sticks around on the way back and then you can go packs with a sinus infection. Yeah, I can fly from Boston to Germany, and then Germany to Boston, and then two days later, Boston to Seattle. Ah, an old sinus is going to be sticking around with you for the whole thing. Just worlds of pain. (laughs) Well, Gwen, we should probably wrap this one up. Yeah, thanks for doing all this. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. This has been Gwen Frey and Chris Light, and you've been in the Dialogue Box.